I'm Alan. I'm Kaylee. And my name is Danielle. And you are listening to Target Snark It, a weekly podcast from Broad Digital Consulting. Happy Tuesday. You are listening to Target Snarket, a weekly podcast produced by the team at Broad Digital Consulting. I'm Danielle, the chief broad. I'm Kaylee, the second hardest name to spell and the second Danielle on our team. And I'm Alan. I am the chief annoyance officer at Broad. And our podcast is edited by our glorious starfish princess, Margot. I hope she really likes that one. I hope she likes that one. She's going to be like, what the fuck is that even? Who are you? Hey, Leslie. Like, (laughs) right. I, you know, hey, thanks. There's going to be more than one Parks and Rec reference. I can feel it. So (laughs) the question is whether or not Alan gets uh, a Mean Girl reference in every We have one I was going to say. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah. We're already planning for. Perfect. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, so we're going to jump into our episode here in a moment, but I, I wanted to tell you guys about a couple of things. First, I want to appreciate the love that we've gotten, like take yeah. a minute to appreciate that. Like at the time of our recording today, the podcast has been live for a little over a week and we've had over two 125 listen. Oh, two, two weeks, two weeks. It's been 10 days, almost 10 days. I will meet you in the middle, <laughs> wow. Kaylee. Good I, compromise. I will not concede <laughs> defeat, however. Uh, but we've had over 125 listens in, in 10 days. Uh, <laughs> and like, I don't know about you, like maybe that number seems small to some people. But for me, I like saw that and I got super excited. Yeah. Yeah. People have been uh, really cool. And I like, I want to cry every time someone reaches out with a compliment. Uh, I mean, I'm a total sap. I understand that. But like, I don't know. What about y'all? What have you heard? Yeah. I mean, I'm not a sap, but I love when (laughs) people tell me I'm funny. And like, I don't know. Is this an opportunity for me to like request compliments? Like my therapist says, I need to express my needs. So. send those to our tiktok and instagram account (laughs) i hope you're listening katie (laughs) this this podcast is entirely self-serving for alan just making sure that they know how appreciated they are Uh, uh, yeah, I want to thank all the people that I've guilt tripped into watching or listening to our podcast. I want to especially shout out my friend Sarah, who made their partner listen to all three of our first episodes on a six hour car ride. You're a homie. (laughs) Y'all are our most valuable listeners. Thank you so much. (laughs) The the MVLs. MVLs. (laughs) That sounds like a, like MVL doesn't sound right. I know it sounds like VPL and that's why I stopped myself like very visible <laughs> panty lines. So I was <laughs> or like a diagnosis. Is, like that's a thing. <laughs> VPL is visible panty line. Yeah. Who, who decided yeah. this? Oh yeah. Great shit. people for sure. Shut up. Didn't <laughs> fucking know. <laughs> that's part yeah. of straight white culture. Like <laughs> visible <laughs> panty, panty line. <laughs> okay. All right. I shit. I just learned what like LBD was like ten years ago. So apparently, I'm. Am I now caught up? 
Oh, no. Alan. Oh, it's a little what black is- dress. Oh, yeah, I don't. That's not in my realm. <laughs> but Fair. I like them. <laughs> I will actually, uh, I, I'm going to take a moment to shout out a couple of people specifically as well. Uh, my friends, Brian and Rachel, neither of whom are marketers or as Rachel said, even interested in learning anything about marketing. <laughs> yes. Thank you. But uh faithful listeners so far. And uh they they reach out and compliment me, you know, about what it is that we're doing. And we're just, I don't know, like maybe this maybe we're taking too much time like patting ourselves on the back. But we <laughs> love y'all. And uh and we're just we're like I said, we're we're tickled. We're tickled that we are uh we're here with all of these these folks giving us compliments. I'd like to thank my therapist. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I want to thank my mom for, I'm pretty sure you haven't listened yet at this point. So <laughs> hopefully I'll know if you listen to this one now. <laughs> yeah, actually I'll know who didn't listen to this episode by who's like, you didn't thank me. Yeah. Who's so. offended. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll thank them next time. <laughs> right. Is that what we do is like, just like a listener of the week. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You might get shouted out. Kaylee, you can make creative with just like their floating head and some like hearts or something. Oh yeah. I can yeah. do some good stuff. Uh, something else that I thought was hilarious that just happened oh and I think I told you about this but Kaylee I didn't tell you about it I was at dinner with my husband the other night uh we're talking about just like work in general and he was in this situation uh at at his job where his account list has grown so much that it's just been overwhelming which is like fine great problem to have it's better than brag yeah, seriously. <laughs> Whatever. My husband's so successful. Like he's struggling at work. It's just it's with so much, so much business, you know. Yeah, I mean, like it's you know, it's better than a sad small account list, but you know, there's a lot more people to respond to and meetings to have and problems to solve and success to bear the weight of, really. <laughs> and <laughs> um, his new boss had her one-on-one with him. And she was like, hey, pull up your to-do list, pull up your calendar. I'm going to help you reprioritize. I'm going to help you take some things off your plate. I'm going to reallocate some things. And like she did, she helped him rearrange things on his calendar and he just felt so much better. And I was like, honey, you just got calendar daddied. Boom. Like... (laughs) babe that's what he was like holy shit I did like you know uh from one of our first episodes if you're if you're just tuning in uh you gotta have a calendar daddy sometimes you gotta have a calendar daddy that's gonna show up and like help you rearrange things on your calendar and your to-do list reprioritize reallocate and uh and he was like oh man it was so nice though like I will calendar bottom anytime if that's the kind of effect it had you know God, I love that so much. Like we're all losing. (laughs) We're all calendar switches. We are. We are. We're a very calendar versed team. (laughs) Yeah. And like as the project manager, like I'm calendar Dom, Mm. but like Mm -hmm. calendar verse. Right. You know? Right. Calendar baby. So oh. I, I feel like maybe that should be some of our first merch. 
just calendar like calendar daddy mugs like I don't know I feel oh really my good god <laughs> I'd buy our merch <laughs> glad, glad we've got revenue coming in from somewhere <laughs> revenue out revenue in like... oh my god so all right so suffice to say uh we love our listeners we hope yeah. you all are learning and taking things away that you can use in your normal lives even if you're not into marketing at all you know, like getting yourself a calendar daddy to help you out sometimes. Uh, but today, today we are here to chat about what we are calling the marketing graveyard. We did that in tandem. <laughs> and honestly, I I need y'all listening to know that was not planned. No, nope. <laughs> not scripted. It was not scripted. What exactly is the marketing graveyard? Uh, if you've been around in marketing long enough, or I mean, honestly, if you've even paid attention to technology long enough or trends long enough, you are likely familiar with uh, what is probably the granddaddy trend of them all, which is deciding when a trend has died. And, you know, marketing journalists love this kind of thing. They love Telling us all what has officially died. I mean, sometimes when it's like on life support, it might even actually have a fighting chance. People are like, nope, sorry, it's dead now. Stop like doing celebrities. it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Not dead yet, actually. Not dead yet, actually. <laughs> but yeah, it's like stop doing it. Stop using it. Stop wasting your time, your money. It's dead. No one likes it. It's not cool anymore. It no longer is. It was. Bonus points if you uh, if you got the bluish reference there. there. Was. Didn't. Two Parks and Recs for you. Two. Two. <laughs> well, Alan, you haven't ever watched Parks and Rec, have you? Uh, I think you made me watch like two episodes. Like, I don't know. Was this like in 2013 or something? How old is this thing? That adds up. I wasn't watching it then. No, it would have been like 2017. Yeah. Okay. That more tracks. That okay. More tracks. Yeah. <laughs> I was just... It was after the show. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. I didn't get into it until afterward, but... Well, okay. Uh, I'm going to calendar daddy you an assignment to go watch Parks and Rec so that you can pick up on my references. Okay. Thanks. Um, <laughs> so the impetus for this conversation uh, was actually to talk about the, the metaverse. An opinion piece was published by Fast Company in early February, and it was called, Is the Metaverse Already Dead? Uh, so old Zuck's pretty shiny baby that he literally rebranded his whole ass empire for is flailing a bit, says the author, because the buzz has kind of sort of moved on. The talk has moved on to things like ChatGPT, which is the new darling of the marketing and tech world. And the author says that equally a problem is the metaverse's, um, let's call it a nebulousness. Like it's difficult to define or explain. It gets lumped into things that it's not, like cryptocurrency, blockchain, Web3, etc. It also hasn't really like produced much. So I feel like there are a lot of questions here. Like, is the metaverse dead? And also, what the fuck is the metaverse anyway? And why should we care? Really? Listen, can you tell our listeners? Oh, me, I'm listeners. <laughs> what <the laughs> fuck? All right. Danielle's talking about like, what is this thing? Like, what, what is, is it? All right. So, what the metaverse is, is a virtual 3D digital space. 
So basically you'd be able to like pop on to ideally your Oculus is going to give you like VR headsets are going to give you the best experience, but you can pull it up on like a desktop if you have VR apps, but it'll be like the world we're living in. We have a second chance in this virtual world. Yeah. No. Okay. So you put on the little eyeball things. Yeah. So you know how there's usually like a game? Yeah. It would be a world, but it's okay. the metaverse. But is it like cartoony? Yeah, it's like that weird. Yeah, it's a it's a augmented Avatars. reality. Yeah, so yeah. it's gonna look like weird noodle people almost. Like, do you, oh my god, do you remember when it first started and Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> came out and he was doing like an AR live from Hurricane Maria? And he was like, here I am in the devastation of Hurricane Maria. And it was showing him like as his little AR avatar in Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico um, when it was hitting. But yeah, anyway, that's like the concept. Any any other location? My guy. My guy. You could have gone to the motherfucking Sistine Chapel. (laughs) You could have gone anywhere. Anywhere literally any like I remember going to an F8 conference where they were they were showing like the progression of avatars and how much better they're getting at augmented reality and honestly like the 3D space while I've never like this is shameful I have been to F8 several times and I have two really nice oculus headsets that I've literally never taken out of the box because they just gave them away to attendees so the the VR AR headsets that they have, they just yeah, they just gave them away. Kaylee's face is why like, are you not putting those on Facebook Marketplace? Oh, I don't know because like by the time I got the next one, I was like, oh, it looks like this one might be like old and useless and worthless. I don't know. No, you sell it. No, I hoard it. Oh, okay. okay. Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> is AR and VR interchangeable? Those words. No. Good question. But no, virtual reality is like the space. So augmented reality is almost more like those Snapchat filters where you could put like Kermit the Frog or Shrek sexy dancing in a space. That little Shrek is augmented reality. You're adding something into our current reality while virtual reality is net new. Okay. So you have different headsets for different things like VR could put you somewhere somewhere net new yeah ar can you could put these things on and walk around the world but like then shrek could be there exactly (laughs) this is uh, adding value to the world (laughs) i I mean and they're getting like i said they were getting much better at it um you know they did a a demo at the last f8 i was at which was pre-pandemic where they had taken a picture from somebody's i don't know photo album as a kid and they only had a picture you know it, it's it's a fucking picture it doesn't have uh, the whole house it has just this like picture of mm-hmm. the room that they're in and through ai i guess uh they were able to build out this whole virtual reality space of like like they took that picture and they built out the rest of the room that you can't see and That's it was wild. like true to life 
And so the idea was like, you can make all your old memories come to life. You can create these spaces. You could like, re- like put mm. on your Oculus and like very black mirror. your childhood home with it, like, you know, be able to do something like that. And they showed the progress of these avatars and it was wild. They like, it's, they have this whole like progression. We might actually, I will find the slide and see if we can put it up on Instagram to kind of show this. And this was again, back in 2019. So we're almost, you know, four years removed from that because it would have been April. The progression is like cartoony noodle guy, right? But then it it goes to, I, I mean, just like you can see us if you're watching YouTube, like the faces are very similar. Oh my God. It's like, goes from like, hang out with Kermit to like, revisit your trauma. Yeah. Too long. <laughs> Go home to 1996 when you lost your Bubby. And they've recreated Bubby. Her last dying <laughs> breath. They've that's recreated. Like, yeah. <laughs> How did you know her last words? Like so, so fun in the metaverse. Wow. <laughs> no, but yeah, it would be like if you'd be uh to put it in black mirror style, like you could live the life of your sim, essentially. Okay, I can see why like Zuck was like, this is sick. Yeah, no, it's definitely like the next and especially when it comes to Facebook, which was about building a digital community. I do think it makes sense in terms of like what would come next is you're like now we bring everyone together in kind of real life. But like, I mean, I don't know. I don't have unlike Danielle, I don't have two VR headsets (laughs) in my closet that are gathering. Like, I don't even know how to enter the metaverse. I barely I think that like you Google how to enter the black, the dark web. Like, I don't even know how to get to the metaverse. Is there a door? Like it's not on Facebook that tells me how to get there. Anyway, that's, that's the metaverse. <laughs> For also though, a uh, couple of notes that I have here. First of all, if anybody watches letter Kenny at home, I can't hear anybody say the dark web without dark web. And like, <laughs> anyhow, it's just such a perfect show. Uh, second, uh, when you said building digital and you, you, you made them run on for a minute and you were like digital, I was like, bitchital, man, that was, that was right there for our branding, digital. And we didn't do it and we didn't even miss it. It'll be our small business side. (laughs) Missed opportunity. But yeah, I mean, I think the the barrier to entry is one one big problem. Like you said, like, how the fuck do you even get in there if you don't have this headset? And like, for people like me, how do you even fucking turn on the headset, you know? Yeah. Uh, and and charge it. <laughs> they, they did some of this during the pandemic. Like they had for people who had the headsets, I think they were like populated in an actual, I think it was a soccer game football uh where there was the the actual game was going on but all of the avatars football. were football and so can we just pause i'm so glad you did that <laughs> was, like, like well, why you wanted to make sure all that there was of a our european listeners were actually I, talking about football some people are purists you know like i see listeners that we shouted out 
Yeah, I say soccer for like, I know that Brian's keeping track of how many words I say that remind him I'm from North Dakota. So that's another one right there. But like, I just realized, you know, not everybody, not everybody calls it soccer. So it's a foot, football. Um, oh. Anyhow, there was the whole foot, football game uh, <laughs> where the game was actually going on. And if you had a headset, you could actually like put on the headset and you were watching the actual game and sitting in the stands and like you could look around and talk to the other avatars who were there. It might be like the three of us sitting here and instead of having a Zoom recording, we could all be sitting in the same room wearing our Oculus headsets and talking to each other like we are actually in the same room, but it's our avatars talking to one another, which is really cool, right? I just, I mean, like, I get what you both are saying about like it being the next logical frontier. There's also a part of me though that like I've never really gotten it. I'm yeah. not social. Why do I want to see fake people now? Well, like I hardly have time for this life I'm living. <laughs> <laughs> do you know? So rich in yeah. calendar. It's gonna be too much commitment to try to have to go in and out of virtual space. Um <laughs> My so husband people, is too successful at work. And like, so many people are complimenting me and filling the DMs. <laughs> I have to tend to them all, you guys. I do want to say that there are like positive aspects of metaverse, though, that people have uh, that people could utilize. Like artists have uh, purchased space in the metaverse to be able to do art installations for mm-hmm. free versus having to like rent space. Um, And also small businesses, I mean, we see this kind of in Web 3.0 as well, but there have been metaverse like storefronts where people can kind of virtually look through clothes and things and like speak to someone. Didn't we kind of see that? I know that when we were putting together uh, like our newsletter prior to the holidays, I feel like we kept seeing like virtual pop-ups. Is that like where they're hosted is in this metaverse? There can be some in Zuck's metaverse. I don't, th- I think like one of the ones we were looking at was Betches and Glossier. Glossier had a pop up shop, but they were in their own like Web3 storefront. Wait a minute. I, I didn't realize virtual pop up meant like VR. Like yeah. people. I didn't, I, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to do a Zoom meeting with fucking. <laughs> can you next next rack next yeah rack. <laughs> like, like old lula row on fucking yeah Facebook. Oh yeah uh-huh sure holding up sure yeah right. like i had no idea it, okay and also i'm so sorry but i don't know what web 3 is is it just the same thing but not meta so what uh, web 3 let me pull up my re my research uh web 3 in its entirety is going to be a net is a brand new internet um it's decentralized ownership and control so the users have more privacy to their internet use rather than like corporations collecting your data it would be a lot more safe uh you could also access dark web things like that so that is like the real next iteration to the internet rather than like the next iteration of facebook within web3 you can build digital spaces though 
I don't even know, like, I don't even know what the internet is technically. So like, I'm just going to let you guys keep talking because this is going to be a hole. I am still living in this internet, Al Gore's internet. <laughs> That's where I am. God damn it. Uh, Make internet great again. Oh, God. Sorry. Um, no, I mean, I wanna, like, I, wanna, I don't want you, like, please don't feel left out because like, I've been, I've been in digital for shit closer to 20 years than not and i don't really understand i mean i've got two fucking vr headsets collecting dust in the closet well i'm like like, i also don't really get it necessarily yeah and like when nfts came out like i researched so much just trying to understand like what is this stuff but like at a certain point i have to be like it's too much like I also think that there is a tendency, especially with like some of these emerging trends to, you know, people hop on it really fast because they want to do the shiny new thing. Right. Yeah. And like, I think that this is, this is something that I know we've all had conversations about just in general and, and might've even mentioned on the podcast before, like there is sometimes an assumption for people who are really committed to something like Web3 or the metaverse or NFTs or really anything in life that if you don't really get it or you don't care about it, their first inclination is to go, well, you just don't understand it. And so I think for some of us, I know for me, I kind of internalize that and I go, oh, okay, well, like maybe I'm missing something. And I know like this is my like character, big character flaw, especially in work that I think I, I've been shaped by, you know, some of my identities being a woman, being queer, being, you know, disabled, et cetera, that I just go, oh, uh, ooh, it looks like everybody else gets this and I don't. So I'm just going to like let people keep moving and like yeah. hopefully come and catch up. Don't and, do and, that. No, I know. I know. But I have a tendency to overcomplicate things, even though I do understand them, because I feel like when I understand them, I go, okay, I must be missing something because this isn't that complicated. I just think it's dumb. Yeah, that's (laughs) NFTs. When I learned NFTs, I was Ah. like, we're all, this is the future. (laughs) I, I think it's dumb. Yeah. I yeah. want to not think it's dumb because I know some people who are doing really cool shit with NFTs and they, they've got success that's there. And I feel like it does, you know, in on some level make art more accessible sometimes. But also I, I sometimes feel when I look at things like NFTs, like the metaverse, like Web3, that I'm like, okay, maybe I'll be wrong, you know, because there's always that guy like... T- Tyler's fucking old job in Denver where like in 2019, they were going like social media still whatever fad that is. And we're like, guys, it's, it's kind of like here now. Like, yeah, really like, like changed a elections. Oh, right. Like... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, I don't want to be that crotchety person who's like, okay, NF- NFTs, metaverse, web three, but also like, I'll go if you're going to force me there but I'm probably going to think it's dumb and I reserve the right to change my mind. I thought Facebook was fucking stupid when I first Mm -hmm. got on here. I was like, you mean to tell me I literally, I I'm changing over from Zanga where I am free (laughs) to share all of my thoughts about everything with anyone to go to Facebook where it's like, Danielle is 
eating a taco. (laughs) I felt felt that way with Twitter. Totally. Yeah. Everyone just like spitting out their thoughts and it's like, y'all, we don't have to, I didn't need to know that. I didn't ask. No one asked. <laughs> like, I know that TikTok evolved from uh, what, musically. Mm-hmm. And so I just assumed for the longest time that everybody was on TikTok just like lip syncing karaoke shit. They are. I mean, yes, to a point. <laughs> so like, I think, you know, we obviously reserve the right to change our minds as we find something that makes sense to us. But for right now, I mean, like, I don't, I like, I'm with you. I feel like there must be something I'm missing because right now I find zero value in this. Yeah. And it just, it, I hate to use this term because Zach stole it, but it gets kind of meta. <laughs> like, it really does. <laughs> like, I start to be like, well, what is the internet? It's invisible. Why did I used to have to call it to access it? And now, you know, but obviously I work, I work remotely. I work in tech, not deep tech, but we work in digital marketing. So like, I know my way around things, but it's like when I get philosophical Sagittarius brain or whatever, I like start to want to (laughs) die. Not really. Sorry, therapist, if you're listening, (laughs) I'm fine. (laughs) But like, I feel like this is why these things might be themselves dead. They died of questions. Overcomplication. Mm-hmm. Nobody and, knows what it is. Yeah. And I mean, there's like, just because you strip something down to really like brass tacks and figure out that at its core, it's kind of stupid doesn't mean that it doesn't have impact on our lives, right? Like I look at like the stock market like that, right? Like it's imaginary. Yes. Yeah. I'm so it, glad we are all is, agreeing. <laughs> it is imaginary. It only has the value that we assign to it. And we had these conversations so much, you know, prior to like a recession really happening. And I said over and over to you both, like, hey, right now, like we're seeing that a recession might happen, but we're not going to preemptively panic because preemptively panicking is what causes the recession. It's literally just like how we feel and then what we do about how we feel. (laughs) And and then that starts to, to cause this panic. And I mean, the stock market's like that, right? Like if it takes a huge dip because uh, a world leader died, it's literally just the reflection of a lot of rich people's anxiety. Oh my God. And like, I feel, I felt, I feel like if you understood what happened with the GameStop Robin Hood debacle from like what yeah. a year oh, ago, two so years ago now, rad. how do you still think this is like, I, I always, Seamus gets so mad because I'm like, it is make-believe. I don't, yeah. we're all just pretend, we make up right. the numbers, we decide what those numbers are going to be, and some people literally go, I don't want that to be that much anymore, so we're going to tell people that it's only this amount, like, it's all, yeah, but this is what the world runs on. It's it's the very, it's the flimsiest fucking social contract, but it keeps us running, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. I think we, we saw that in 2016, with all the things that I thought were laws, that then the then president was like, 
actually, they're not. So I'm not going to do them. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You could just decide that? Because that doesn't feel right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's even if these things are to a degree imaginary and made up and silly, they they do still have the power to seriously impact our lives. So I don't know. Fucking metaverse. Go on with your bad self, Olzak. So anything, any other, any other thoughts about the metaverse before we uh, talk about the rest of the headstones in the marketing graveyard? My closing thoughts on metaverse are going to be, honestly, if it was more accessible to people, that it could have had its moment during COVID of when people were not able to have that face-to-face interaction. But the issue is going to continue to be, if you want to experience it correctly, A, everyone has to be on it. So like the reason I got Be Real is because my friends are on it. Like I'm not going to just enter the metaverse by myself, but also you need the equipment to really experience it correctly. So until that changes, I don't see its popularity changing. Yeah. I agree with you that it could have had its moment in 2020, but it since it didn't, I wonder if it's too soon. Like mm. it was just too soon. And yeah. like, maybe we're going to see this come back around in some way for some reason. Oh, I don't yeah. know. For sure. After the nuclear apocalypse, we'll probably need it. That's what right. thing. Absolutely. When like, we can't leave our homes because of the climate. well but i mean that accessibility thing you gotta think too that has been that has been zuck's whole thing that's most of these tech companies like zuck started out facebook was ivy's only Mm -hmm. and then it was college only and he had great success with this model where a small group of people gets to access this thing hypes it up so much that the demand continues to grow from there but I feel like some of his products that he's put out, some of their products that they've put out, the the whole of Meta over the course of the last few years, and I'm including the Metaverse and Oculus in this. I'm also including um, the their their home system, their home like oh. video call and things like that system that was like three hundred dollars. It was like I don't know. It, it looked it it had a screen and it was like an Amazon like echo with a screen and you could have messenger calls and portal portal. Yeah. Portal was also a great idea that could have been really quickly picked up. But when you make something, a product like that at that price point, and then even early adopters, why would I buy a portal if no one else has one and they need one in order for us to really do this, it doesn't make any sense. So I feel like that model of of exclusivity has backfired for a lot of not just his products. And and whereas if he had just like sent everybody in America, say, of Canoculus and then told everybody how to do it, I would venture a guess that that investment would have paid off. That that's my That's my personal speculation about it. I also think, though, that when you're talking about like VR and headsets, Google tried to do this with glass. Snapchat tried to do this with the, um, the, what was theirs? Lenses? Uh, Snapchat glasses. I think they still sell them, actually. It wouldn't surprise me. They sunk a lot of money into that. 
And, and you've got something that ends up becoming branded as a product when really VR, AR, when we're talking about the metaverse and even like web three, you don't necessarily want a virtual reality situation that's branded, right? Mm -hmm. Because I want to be able to talk to people who aren't into that brand too. So I think that if you if we're trying to get to a, a new frontier, a new internet, I wouldn't even say that the metaverse is dead. I wonder if, or or maybe that the metaverse has to die so that Web three can live, and we can even get to a point where we give a shit about a decentralized internet with virtual reality that's, that that's accessible to everybody. I like that. That's very Batman. Dave, Dave, <laughs> Dave Plomberg will be proud. We need and deserve. <laughs> Thanks. That's like the nicest thing that you've ever said to me. No, I wrote a whole speech at your wedding. Don't. That's true. That's Ugh. true. Where you accused me of being a bigger Taylor Swift fan than I am. So yeah, I, yeah that's the that's what I'll remember. Literally, I had that's no. That's what I'll remember. I, I had no idea. Well, what I have I was no regrets about into. it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna move on. Uh, yeah, Marco, was, for the record, it was a beautiful speech mm, that clearly nothing else got taken out of it <laughs> just priorities priorities that's all <laughs> it, you know what intention doesn't equal impact alan oh wow oh, <laughs> so i uh, want to talk about the rest of the marketing graveyard you know uh, the metaverse is far from the first marketing channel to be heralded as dead and gone. And, you know, the author of the Fast Company article does point that out. He points out that there's a real history of marketing channels being declared dead and then being resurrected. He's absolutely right. And there are a ton of channels that fall out of favor just to be picked back up again years later. Why are we talking about this? Because it's important to remember, especially if you're in marketing and in charge of marketing strategy, that like you need to take some of these things with a grain of salt. And also uh, to think about, you know, how you're uh, to, to call back to the interview that we did with Amir about what came first, the searcher, the searcher, think back, think to think about how we shape what it is that dies or lives too, right? So uh, email is one of those that I, I know has been called dead so many times. And when I was on the, the board for the Business Marketing Association in Colorado, one of the things that I had to do was um, host events, host ongoing education events. One of our first uh, presentations that we had was this woman at Return Path in Colorado, which uh, specializes in email marketing. Uh, she talked about how email isn't dead. And it was groundbreaking to me because at the time, like I had just listened to like whatever market, marketing editorialists had really said about what, what was trending and what wasn't. And she made a really excellent point that like email can't really ever die until we replace it with something very similar because it is the only real one-to-one -one marketing channel that we have where I have control over my email address and who I give it to. And you have direct access to my inbox and I use email every day. It is the only channel that most audiences are guaranteed to use every single day, multiple times a day. Thoughts here? 
Email's not going to die. I'm thinking in terms of like B2B because it's also going to be the easiest way to get like your qualified leads and know who you're communicating with or like who you want to be targeting. Everyone has a work email. Everyone has multiple email addresses. I just don't see it really dying anytime. I'm sure people hate it. I hate it. I go and unsubscribe from things all the time, but I also purchase things if there's a good sale when an email comes through. Yeah. yeah. The the emails I like, I like and I want them. Yeah. Like and I will often stay subscribed to something long beyond when I'm interested, just in case I might be interested. And totally. like, you know, 100%. like it is, I would say between that and Instagram ads, it's the best way to get me in particular. Sure. Know? And I think too, like email, even on a B2C side, you know, I would venture that like email has semi been replaced in some ways with things like Slack or Teams, the the inter-office communication for sort of those faster conversations. So we were able to get that out of the inbox. And it makes me crazy when people send an email that should be just like a quick Slack or Teams or whatever message, like that makes me nuts. But if we were to ever like really replace, you know, email with something like that, I could see that. But to your point, Kaylee, I mean, it's also email is how we communicate with everybody else outside of our teams too, right? And on a B2C side, like we all still check it every day. I also unsubscribe from everything, but it's my email. I look at it as like my own garden, right? And like that and my phone number are the two things that I have power over. Mm -hmm. And I'm a bitch about that power too. Oh yeah. Like my email, if I get cold sales emails, especially in my business email, I mark them as spam immediately. I penalize I people. Too. I make sure to penalize people. I report people. people. Yeah. No, like I didn't give you this. You got it from somewhere. I, I think I told you guys yesterday that uh, mm -hmm. I got a phone call, a cold sales call, and my phone number, like I I hold yeah, that. That's who mine, puts their phone right? number like, on things. Right. And even if it is on things, because I mean, you know, also like it's for my clients as well. Like if I didn't tell you that you could contact me there, you have no business contacting me there. Mm -hmm. and this guy called me and was like, hey, do you have a minute? And I was like, is this a cold sales call? And he's like, well, I can't really sell you anything on this call. But and I was like, yeah, but I'm pretty sure I didn't give you my phone number. So this is a sales call. So I'm not really interested. And he's like, well, don't you even want to know how I got your phone number? Like taunting a little bit. And I'm like, okay, all right, I'll fucking play ball. How'd you get my phone number? And he's like, well, actually, that's what we're here to talk about today is this mm. product. I got it by using our AI product that pulls in all this information that you can find about your target audience. And then you have their contact information and can reach out to them. So you would be able to generate more leads for your business and you could use this with your clients. And I was like, I'm going to stop you right there. I will never, ever use a service that gives me information that people did not want me to have. Yeah. Ugh. It's so gross. How do you think people are going to respond positively to that? Like if you're selling that and then those people are using that information, those cold calls, people are not going to be happy. No. And people are jerks to cold calls. 
I was a cold caller. Like I, I had a whole career in sales before any of this. And I remember what it was like to cold call. And like, I get that there are a lot of really antiquated approaches to sales still that involve a lot of things like that. But I got to tell you, it's really fucking lazy sales and marketing to essentially buy information about your potential target prospects off of somebody rather than put in the work necessary to earn that information from them. And that's like how I look at email is it's like that and my phone number. Like I said, it's these are the two things that I have left mm-hmm. that I can be like, no, there are laws against this. Okay. Like back the fuck up out of my inbox. So I don't know. I love email. That's, I think it's, like I said, it's just my curated protected space. So <laughs> one of the things. Go ahead. Oh, can I ask a question that came up? It's not regards to email, but it's about Slack teams and actually the metaverse is like, are there advertising opportunities on those? There's going to be soon, I bet. Oh, I would imagine there will be. The metaverse, there, there, I think the advertising is really like brand awareness. You stake your kind of area in the metaverse to show that you're there. Yeah. Um, like a digital, a literal digital billboard. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like you yeah. could be watching, walking around and there's like McDonald's billboard or whatever, yeah. the VR or, but like, I, I was just thinking like on Slack or in teams, like I don't see, remember seeing ads on the. Oh, I'm sure that there will be a point at which you will have to pay extra to have an ad-free version of these things. Yeah. I'm pretty shocked WhatsApp hasn't gotten to that point yet. Yeah. Like you can advertise to message businesses, but you can't necessarily like do like LinkedIn in messages or you can't do like, or in mail messages is what I meant. But you can't like advertise even on the sides, which is pretty shocking because so many businesses also use WhatsApp. But I've wondered that, too. Well, I think, you know, uh, tying it back to email, even if if Google in particular, because they do have ads in your email inbox, if Google had made those any more intrusive. I, I think email would be on its deathbed. I would you be know? interested if so many businesses would continue using Gmail then. Totally. A hundred percent. Because like I know LinkedIn InMail, you know, they were they were hoping to position themselves as an alternative to email. That's the idea is that you have this one-to-one inbox, right? And they wanted to be that sort of like, e- like, like uh, social email for, for business uh, folks, I guess not just businesses, but like business oriented, mm-hmm. you know, attitudes while on the, on the platform, but there's so many ads and cold messages that I get that honestly, like the ones that aren't actually do stand out. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I think that like that has been sort of like the entire experience is shitty. And I think that's why in mail like in-mail advertising doesn't work as well because it's just, you're, you're one of a million. And uh, I think, you know, as we move towards the, the priority of, of collecting uh, first party data, you know, email is going to continue to be really, really important. You know, and Kaylee and I, we, we beat this drum a lot with our clients is like, we need to move away from third party 
reliance on whether Facebook or LinkedIn or whoever has access to the people that we're trying to reach. And we need to do better marketing to earn that information so that we have a first party strategy and you're not then uh, stuck on the wrong side of a chokehold from these third party platforms that can take away access to your audience at any point in time. Um, so to me, that's why email will continue to stick around. Uh, I know that you all had mentioned that you use email, uh, that you like, there are certain like sales and things like that. And like, I use it for that too. The other thing though, and you both know this is that I'm addicted to newsletters. Yeah. Uh, I do. I honestly do. Like I have, I've had to start doing this thing with newsletters where I get like another request for another kind of newsletter. And I have to do the same thing that I have to do when I'm like impulse buying. I have to go, Danielle, (laughs) do you really need another newsletter? You're single-handedly keeping newsletters alive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they were all the rage and then they died out and they became like shitty and corporate and weird and not fun. And it was just like the thing that businesses had to do once a month was send out a shitty newsletter that nobody cared about. It feels like influencers brought them back. If I'm thinking about the newsletters, I have, and it's been like the last year for me personally, anecdotally, seeing them come back. And you're right. It has been like individual artists, um, creators that I'm like, I like you. And then I sign up for their newsletter. Yeah. Wow. Y'all are crazy. No, we're just intellectual, Kaylee, and we like to read. I don't like reading. Newsletters. I don't like read. Well, listen, my newsletter intake is very selective. And if you do like one thing I don't like in one newsletter, I'm like, you wasted my time. Bye. I'm mad about it. And I mean, like, I, I get a lot of really interesting takes from newsletters. And I do, I do several different kinds, like the influencer ones. Uh, I I'm a paid subscriber to Erin in the morning. Uh, she's a, a trans woman and, uh, a, a trans activist who, uh, documents all of the shitty things happening to trans people, uh, uh really around the world, but especially yeah. in the U S uh, with regards to different, different laws that are being passed and things like that to be able to one provide information that trans people need to protect themselves, but also to provide information for the rest of us on how we can become more involved in this fight and take it where it needs to go. You know, I, I subscribe to there's a, a the year I ate New York, which is in, you know, uh, it goes to a different person every year. I think it's in the New Yorker. I'm going to fudge that up. But like they tell whoever it is, you know, talks about the restaurants that they went to that week or like Brock Collier does a a New York like party newsletter where he goes out and like rubs elbows with rich or famous or just weird people and then writes about it. And I don't know. I have fun with that. And there's like the headlines and stuff. Yeah. And I think about like the, the newsletters I like and they're practical. Like I'm thinking about one of my favorites is this woman in the UK. It's called a dreaming skin (laughs) poet. Um, But she sends out all of the publication opportunities for the month every month. And she in there, she does workshops and stuff that she sells. And she has a a Patreon or something like that, that you can contribute to. Like, if this is helpful for you, you can 
look at my Patreon and do that. And those are things I like. And you mentioned a couple things that like are helpful, good restaurants, activism, et cetera. Yeah. I think too, like they obviously had a huge comeback. Substack was literally created to host newsletters uh, for creators to make money on, right? And like LinkedIn, the platform that is literally always behind the times now is finally, uh, you know, facilitating this like newsletter opportunity for creators where they were just kind of like already using it for that, but not in any official capacity. So I feel like And publishers are having a field day with them. Like every major news publication now has, I mean, they pay people six figures plus to write a weekly newsletter to keep people engaged, interested. And I know that Kaylee's giving me the eyes there. There is a great weekly newsletter that everyone should subscribe to called the Weekly Broadcast. Oh, I do yeah. not get sick figures for it, though. <laughs> one day. One day, Kaylee. For just the newsletter either. Like. Right. No, these publishers are like, I was reading um, a, a, an interview with a woman who like rejected an offer from a publisher who only offered her six figures to write once a week and not any kind of like profit sharing or anything like that. So newsletters are big business for a lot of publishers right now. But I've also been reading that like they apparently are dying again too. And, you know, we here at Broad Digital, we always like to play things cautiously and not follow, you know, shiny object syndrome, which means that, you know, we launched the weekly broadcast back in October, just in time for it to die again. So that's cool, (laughs) right? We're very good at this. But, uh, you know, we, we launched ours last fall. Uh, definitely go subscribe. Uh, but yeah, whether they're dead again, I mean, you know, playing field will thin out, I guess, if if that's the case. I mean, <laughs> other other marketing and business ones that, that I like and, you know, that we read a lot are like Daily Carnage and Marketing Brew, um, International Intrigue. I, you know, live by like Forbes and Fortune and uh, Fast Company, their stuff too. So it feels like they're here to stay for the people who like them. That's what I was going to say. Like, cause I like you, I don't throw my email address willy nilly. You usually get it when I buy something and I'm like, yes, I want tracking information. So I know when it's getting to my door, but like, I don't necessarily subscribe to newsletters. I don't, I feel like my emails are pretty important. Like even between work, or if it's like a doctor's office emailing me. So I don't necessarily like getting my like fun stuff in my email, but that could also just be personal preference for people. So there could be either way. Maybe that's why you hate email because it's devoid of fun. Maybe you need to add more fun to your inbox. I try so fun for the newsletter. So many gifts, so many memes. See? It's really, really pumping up our newsletter here. If everyone could like respond and just be like, hey, Kaylee, I appreciate the chuckle I got this week. I would also like to ask for that. (laughs) Too many, too many people uh, with, you know, compliment requests for inbox now. Uh, They're telling me I'm funny, Kaylee. Okay. That's was my compliment request for this episode. So. Lord. Oh, we can't double. I'll wait till oh, next yeah, time. Right. 
Uh, so <laughs> the next couple things like QR codes and in-mail inserts. I mean, QR codes were a fucking UX nightmare. Like I remember the days it's so every time that I start to say, I remember the days where we'd all joke about QR codes. It dawns on me in that moment. It's like, I can feel like my soul leaving my body going like, <laughs> you are so uncool that you you're like, I remember the days where we joked about the internet <laughs> and like <laughs> digital marketing jokes, but they were, they were a Al Gore book. internet reference. My <laughs> Al Gore internet reference. <laughs> They were a total joke after they disappeared. And it was like, oh, <laughs> QR codes. I remember those. And then COVID was like, fuck y'all. I was always a QR code stan. <laughs> yes, I do think Danielle is cracking the nut that QR codes caused COVID. They said, we are not here to leave. I, I've been saying it was big QR all along. Nobody looked yeah. into that. Like, Y'all think it's big pharma? No, no, no. no. Uh-uh. Now we are no. a conspiracy theory podcast. <laughs> I mean, we were just at, the, at this restaurant the other night that went and had like QR codes like engraved into metal on the tables. Like they Ooh. are here to stay for some restaurants. Well, yeah, I got to say when we were in... Uh, I was visiting in New York at some point and we used a QR code and it even said what table you were at. Like yeah. the fact I did not have to speak to a human being, first of all, would love that for the rest of my life. If like we <laughs> don't have to interact, would be preferred if you just, if I could tell you like mentally what table I'm at and what I want to The Olive eat. Garden iPads at the table, you're <laughs> like, this is the pinnacle of the, customer experience. It was my highlight for Olive Garden for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no i mean like qr codes are back i don't think they're going anywhere i i know uh in mail inserts are back like when you order a package and all of the ads that are our hard copy uh marketing brew just put together an article saying that these are coming back the marketing brew article will actually be in our dying newsletter coming up but like i also feel like in mail inserts i don't know i don't know i'm jury's still out on whether these are back for me i think they're wasteful and i never pay attention to them they just stay in the box so would you consider an in mail ad like things that come in your package as well yeah so what about like etsy stores that do that like a thank you well, sometimes it's a thank you or sometimes it's like, here's a code for the next time you buy from me. Like, I thanks for your them. purchase. If I kept those, I- I'd have, I've already got two Oculus headsets. <laughs> I can't keep all these pieces of paper. <laughs> I, they'd, they'd end up like business cards. I'd, I'd have great ideas for how I was totally going to use them one day. And then they would just sit rubber banded on my desk. And I would never, I would never. Now, samples, you want to toss samples in there? Hell yes. I Hell am yeah. all about samples. And Bring I might samples. buy a big one next time. Ooh, yeah. Oh, 100%. I, I have done that where I'm like, oh, this is bomb. Like, yeah. give me a like, big one. Sephora always allows you the opportunity to pick samples when you're uh, ordering from them. And I never miss that opportunity. And Lush like, does too. Yeah. Like, then I learn about new products and yeah, I might buy a big, a big girl size one, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. I think that I think samples would be the better way to go. 
Living Proof is really good about that too. They're a brand that like they often send samples. You buy like one product and you get a travel size bottle of something typically. And I'm like, damn, like that's, that's really decent. And they've always done it that way. And so they like bet big on samples. And I don't know, I feel like it's, it's kept me coming back to them for years now. So podcasts were once dead and here we are. (laughs) again again uh you know they were huge back in the day and then they just disappeared and then they came back with like a vengeance i think i think everybody pins the resurgence of podcasts back to serial like like the the true crime podcast even (laughs) i think and you know i don't consume media very much and i listen to serial yeah i mean it was yeah. That was like all the rage. That was what, 2014, 2015? I know. Oh, still I think I listened to it. I think it started in 14. Yeah. Well, and then uh, the guy Adnan got released. And so like, that was like, oh, yeah, we're all back into Serial now. But like after Serial, podcast came back and like everybody had one. And then you had like Clubhouse and uh, Kaylee, you just wrote about this for the newsletter this week telegram and twitter spaces and i've never even heard of these things you've never heard of twitter spaces Uh uh and now there's like apparently audio everywhere yeah it's like a audio audio group chat which is my nightmare but i know (laughs) you both would really enjoy oh man (laughs) do we have to download Oh, and do we have to download another app to talk to each other? <laughs> I know. I like, I love voice notes so much. I try to get everyone over to WhatsApp because I feel like they have the nicest features for voice notes. I didn't know about these extra, like we could all hang out in voice note. I mean, we could do that on WhatsApp too, but like, that sounds like a good time. I feel like you pressured me for three years to get WhatsApp before I got it. And to date, I have used it only to speak to you to to stephanie in ireland and to my wedding planner in mexico and that's the only time i used whatsapp was in mexico yeah it was for the wedding like (laughs) like, well you know i don't have internet so like or i don't have i phone access or whatever yeah but no i mean podcasts are back they're probably dying again now that everyone has one and uh including us and i feel like we came in at just the right time when they're all dying (laughs) again uh, so what's to learn from the marketing graveyard? I, I think the big takeaway for me is like, don't believe every obituary you read. I mean, like, do believe them if they're for people, I guess. Well, you know, Most double check the celebrities. Celebrities, yeah, you gotta yes. double check. Yes. Betty White died a couple check. times. Who? Betty, Betty White? White. Yeah, Betty White. She's uh, dead now. Yeah, no, she's like officially. We think. Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> But like, you know, if you're if you're reading some kind of marketing editorial about it, remember that the pendulum swings, uh, you know, back around all the time. Marketing opinions are like assholes. Everyone has them. Too many of them are unwashed, you know, so like (laughs) just. (laughs) I don't know. I had to keep wow. going. <laughs> I think it's to be on most of them stink. And I'm like, ah, or we could just call like that was, a nitty gritty. Like, that was unscripted, everyone. 
yeah, I mean, but like, you know, the pendulum swings back the other way. And Kaylee, I know you and I always talk to our clients about this is like, just because no one is in the pool, like less crowded pools are actually really great opportunities for your brand. That's how a lot of people get ahead is by taking it. Like the people who do good on Instagram are the people that like were on the ground level, just like trying to build up a brand and people are engaging. And so they're using the app. Well, my thought is like, if you're not using the app, who cares if people are saying it's going to die or not until like, you know, actual yik yak and like, it's gone vine. It's gone. You can't open it. Now it's dead until then. Right. Right. No, I think that's a, that's a great point. And I also think like, you know, when we've done analysis, like competitive analysis and we go like, okay, all of your competitors are on email or they're all investing in PPC and nobody's really doing anything in social. I always tell people there are two ways to look at that. You know, either nobody's doing anything in social. So don't go there because it's been tried and is not working or do go there. Because you have this whole audience that's sitting there and no competition. Mm-hmm. There's no noise to compete with inside of your industry. So, you know, fewer, if other people, like, especially when people talk about how things are dying, it's a little bit like, um, like every year they tell you the new best time to send an email or the new best day. And so it's like Tuesday at 1030 in the morning. Right. And so then everybody starts sending their emails at Tuesday on Tuesday at 1030 in the morning, which means it is no longer the best time, like minimum, you know, like three months in, it is no longer the best time. Now, the best time really is when you're going to be able to cut through the noise. I'm even thinking about how like FetLife, for example, like we've explored (laughs) things on, on FetLife and like to a lot for, of people, for it's a like client. To to be clear, okay, <laughs> it was a group. We it was just, a group project. <laughs> we weren't just on there exploring fetish. That's what Danielle as a to team. Think. This it is was like me a, and Owen team time. It was like <laughs> team, yeah, team okay. building activities. I guess Danielle's like I'm out. I'm <laughs> out. Danielle's just mad she wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Teaming like, here <laughs> means two things. Go on, go on. But I'm thinking about how like for that audience and for that client, that is a perfect platform, even though Mm -hmm. it's so antiquated, like honestly, technologically antiquated, like we don't even really know what's going on with advertising in it, but who they're looking for is there, you know, so. And there's people searching for answers on there or like looking for answers, uh, just Specifically, the client does sexual health education. So like they'll provide tests for people for both drug and sexual health testing. Uh, So they go to like kink events, they go to sex parties, they go to Red Rocks if there's a good concert. Um, And, you know, they just provide a healthier, safer environment for everyone. And BetLife was a great option for them. I'm so glad they opened our eyes to it. And for everyone who's not on it, it is early 2000s Facebook. Like it's so yeah. simple. It's not really difficult, but it's a space where everyone is. So you, like, there's no reason you shouldn't be there. I think, you know, the the moral of, of that story is like your audience as a brand, as a marketer, your audience is not capital E everyone. 
right? Period. So like, even if Fast Company says the metaverse is dead, if your audience is hanging out there, if your audience is all early adopter nerds with Oculus headsets that they actually use, then, you know, go do that thing and and don't care about whether or not somebody says it's dying. Because Kaylee, to your point, until you can't open it anymore, it's not dead. So like, listen to your data, even if everybody is, you know, choking out the death rattle uh, about something about some channel. If your audience still thinks is groovy, then listen to them because they're the ones you're trying to reach. And mm-hmm. so and, and get creative about it too. Don't like conversely, don't go after the shiny new object if your audience isn't really interested in that. Maybe they're interested in the old musty ass object, you know? Like, can you pick it up? Can you make it relevant for your brand? Parting thoughts, everyone? You know, it's not dead until it's dead, and don't use it unless it's working for you. Those are mine. Do I, do I have to have thoughts or got smooth brain? <laughs> smooth brain. This is the this is the exact kind of scenario on this podcast that is my nightmare. <laughs> this is when be- my brain becomes a chicken oh, cutlet. Oh, but I feel like that question is just like your approach to this podcast is like, do I have to have thoughts? <laughs> like, it's like, but is this a required activity? Is what I'm asking. <laughs> uh no it is not it is not uh thank you that is our pod thanks for listening to us bust some marketing graveyard myths and talk shit join us every tuesday wherever you listen to podcasts next tuesday we will have kt heinz nagamoto on uh and i've been talking to them about goop goop the big wellness influencer and also yeah wellness and digital healthcare marketing and uh what's not going awesome and what you got to watch out for when you look at those ads so uh make sure to catch that and make sure to subscribe on youtube to watch our pretty little faces and like us on instagram and tiktok for our highlights from our episodes and memes and fun stuff i like that everybody like yeah Um. (laughs) thanks so much have a great week hey bye thanks for tuning in to target snarket a weekly podcast brought to you by broad digital consulting our podcast is hosted by danielle bilbrook kaylee myers and alan Connolly, and produced by margot gill You can always learn more about Broad Digital Consulting on our website, broad.digital, that's B-R-O-A-D dot digital. Or you can find us on social media using the handle at Target Snarket. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. And if you're feeling so inclined, we'd love for you to review our pod if you like what you're hearing. 